It was almost like this person was just, that's, like, this person came across this and it was such an attitude of, oh, this is a sign that this is here for me. I'm going to do what I want with her. And that, she's the one that told the informant. My mother? Yes. Really? Yep. The initial hit that I'm getting is that she went with someone willingly. This person intended to harm her, but not necessarily kill her. That's that it was more of a second degree. There was no, there was no doubt for the fact that truly was psychic. Right. Cops can't, cops can't handle that because psyches. Right. You're listening to episode nine of Leap in the Dark, an investigative podcast on the disappearance of Rose Peterson from Hancock, Michigan, who's been missing for almost 30 years. I'm your host, Jill Revac. It's October 31st, Halloween. So I thought I'd step outside the box and do something a little different. Investigating the cold case disappearance of someone is no easy feat, especially with 28 years against you. So I thought I'd go somewhere that most people don't tend to go or want to go or have anything to do with. Maybe it's their adult minds leading them to believe the world is just black and white no gray skewing the in-between. I have to admit at times I've been a bit of a skeptic. Though now I'm open-minded enough to know that some people, some special people out there, possess an ability that can't be explained. I'm talking about people being psychic. If you're thinking like my husband, you're probably rolling your eyes and chuckling at the thought of such an idea. Or maybe you're curious, not sure what to really think of people possessing the gift of extrasensory perception. But if putting some faith in the unknown or unproved, if it can possibly help me achieve my goal of finding Rose Peterson, I'm willing to give it a shot. Did you know there are freelance psychic detectives out there? Yep, people out there are using their gifts to help solve cold cases and find missing people. Psychics, mediums, or intuitive people, they each use their gifts differently. And some of them see things, hear things. Some see a movie being played out in front of them. Some talk to the dead. And some see into the future. One of the reasons I was open to seeing a psychic was because it seemed like it was a bit of a theme in my investigating. Remember the person who informed Sally, the cadaver dog handler, about the tip of remains being found? Turns out there was a family connection to Rose Peterson. 
So yeah, her name, her name sounds so familiar to me. Rebecca Koivu. Yeah. I wonder if that is... Okay, there's some connection where she married... Oh, you know what? She... That's a crazy connection because she just might be... I think I know her daughter. Anne. No way. Yeah. Anne? Anne. I've interviewed Anne, and Anne is a half-sister to Deb Lightala, who lives with Ron Peterson, Rose's son. I'm like, I'm trying to make the connection here, and I'm like, this is so bizarre. Like, why wouldn't Anne... This information took me by surprise. Michael who investigates cold cases told me about this tip from a dog handler, Sally, who heard about this tip from Rebecca Koivu, who ends up being the mother of Rose Peterson's niece. It's bizarre how this all kind of came about, um, to my knowledge, because I didn't hear about this tip from Anne, Rose Peterson's niece. So I had to call her and ask her about this because this was a huge, this was huge information, this tip. And so I had to see if she, you know, remembered this and knew about it. Hello? Hi, Anne. It's still Reback. Oh, hi. How are you? Sure, yeah. Okay. How are you? How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. Um, so I, um, have you gotten a chance to listen to the podcast at all? No, I haven't. I know my sister told me I should too, and I just yeah. Oh, I know. You, you have a lot of kids, so I'm sure you're always busy. <laughs> um, hey, I wanted to run something by you, um, some information I received, and see if you have any, you know, Anything that knowledge of it or anything like that. Okay. So I was talking to, um, I received some information from an investigator that works on cold cases. And he had an informant that came to him. And she said. I have to interrupt right here because I don't want to release the location where the remains were supposedly found. So, um, I'm going to leave you hanging still for a little bit, but I'll let you know as soon as possible. Um, do you know anything about that? Cause your mother, your mother actually is the one that, she's the one that told the informant. My, my mother? Yes. Really? Yep. Oh, like a medium or a psychic? Kind of. A yeah. Bit. I mean, she ended up being a minister last year of her life. But um, she um, was telling me about something about that. Um, 
I did bring it up, but I didn't know, you know. Yeah. Did she, me- did she mention? Did they ask uh, a couple if they could go in their property and the couple said no? It was supposedly um, uh, teenagers or young adults who supposedly found the remains. So I, um, and Sally, the cadaver dog handler, she remembered it either being Rebecca Koivu's daughter or son whose friends found the remains. Oh, you don't, they weren't friends of yours or? No, I didn't have a lot of friends. I grew up in Castle with my name. So <laughs> people up here, um, I did, I was in a foster home when I was a teenager. I was born and I didn't know a lot of people. Okay. What about your brothers? Would they know? Would my they have brothers, had? My, my brothers are, that's no relation to my aunt Rose or anything, but the, the, those are my mom's um, sons, not my dad. Yeah, but she. But um, they're a lot younger than me. They're five and nine years younger than me. Um, so, so. When that happened, um, I was 16 and they were little. They were little, okay. I think Anne doesn't quite remember the exact date that her mother told her about this um, because I had the date wrong myself. It wasn't the late 90s that this tip came in. It was actually May of 2000 when Rebecca and Sally, the dog handler, um, informed the police about this tip. And so Anne would have been 27 And her brothers would have been 22 and 18. So her brothers definitely fit the age where, um, the age that Rebecca mentioned of friends supposedly finding a human remains. No, any teenagers at that point, no. Not up here. Okay. Not many, anyway. Yeah, okay. Because she made it sound like the teenagers lived across the street from the, and that they didn't reach out to the teenagers because I guess the teenagers were like druggies and stuff and um didn't you know didn't want any um I mean I wonder how your mom found out about that then. Um, hmm. No, that's not in that sense. She said, but she told me that she just had this like vision or feeling or dream. Or Oh. Really? Kind of the same thing, um, but kind of not. Unless that's how she told the police, so they didn't think she's crazy. Or she, I don't know. I went to Sally just to confirm that what Rebecca was telling her was an actual event that happened and not a psychic vision or a feeling that she had. And Sally confirmed, yes, it was real. It wasn't a vision. It wasn't a a psychic connection or feeling that Rebecca was having. She did have feelings about a particular area off of 41, but this was an actual event that happened. So I wanted to clear that up that Anne was told by her mother, supposedly that it was a dream, but Sally went with her to the location and was working with her and it was actually um Rebecca said it was is actually kids or young adults that discovered the human remains so I had to look a little bit deeper into this tip 
and I decided to contact Detective Ryala with the Michigan State Police. He's been very helpful and kind and and um, willing to give me some suggestions with my investigation with Rose Peterson's disappearance. And I asked him about this tip and why the police never investigated it. Michael thought I should mention it to um, Detective Ryla because he he's supposed to be really good at you know what he does and um, so he reached out to he reached out to um, Detective Ball who was running the oh, Ball? yeah oh, okay and cool. he said because he asked him why nothing was checked about it or like um, updated or like you know why nothing progressed and he said that he didn't think it was a credible tip to search right so um how credible do you think the tip was like when you back when you got it do you can you No, you didn't. I know you mentioned that she had strong feelings, so I kind of sensed that she had somewhat of a a ability, but you never you never told me about that. Oh, I know. I, I guess I was sharing it with my daughter last night. So, it, who is... <laughs> um, the mention of Becky's name kind of makes her skin crawl in a sense because she, there were several incidents involving my daughter that were clearly psychic, um, and, and white on the name. Well, actually, one of them was, um, her car had been stolen, and Becky described where it was and gave the name of the street, and it had been stolen in Lansing, and there's a street in Lansing by that name, and it wasn't there. And so the, um, state police were like, yeah, you know, these psychic, they don't know anything. Right. They did find it about a week later on the street in a location that exactly matched what Becky had said. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And so, and my daughter had injured herself at work on, I want to say, I want to say she had a severe, she worked in a a restaurant. I want to say she had a severe burn and Becky had called me that morning, actually I think it was before it happened, and said she was really sorry to hear about Joey's injury, and, you know, but that it was her feeling she was going to be okay. So, um, by the time I got a hold of my daughter, it had happened, uh, and this was down, she, my daughter was downstate, this was not local. Oh. Um, another time she called me and she was very stressed because Becky, because she had um, this vision of these five little kids in a house on fire with with um, bars on the window, and there was a baby, and they couldn't get out, and and she and, and this would happen. She'd have these visions of things happening, right? And they were very very stressful for her, obviously, right? And but she couldn't tell me where it was. Right. The, the description matched how, you know, 
Right. Probably four or five thousand houses. Right. Um, in this Michigan. So, and two days later in Flint, five little kids died in a fire. One was a baby um, that was on the floor, apparently. That's where they found it, anyway. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, you know, the others were at the windows. Oh, jeez. So, there was no, there was no doubt for the fact that it truly was psychic. I looked into the story of five children being killed in a fire, and I did find two fires in Michigan. One happened in 2000, where five children died, and one happened in 2003, where five children died. One was a one-year-old girl. Um, So either of those could have possibly have been the vision that Rebecca had, of course, since Rebecca's passed, I can't really, well, I can't interview her, of course. But, you know, there is a possibility that she truly had um, psychic gifts. Right. Tom can't, Tom can't handle it because psyches, psyches are not always right. Right. You know, and so it, and it's very stressful for them, for Tom, when they are right. Right. Because they figure, well, the person must be guilty because they knew about it. And, right. But anyway, uh, a friend of mine got his master's, um, wrote a paper on um, the use of psychics in law enforcement. And so, anyway. Okay. So you so, have... So you Bob Ball knows Becky Wells. Okay. Or, or knew Becky Wells. Right. Right. Okay. Not because she wasn't right sometimes, but um, because she wasn't always right. And therefore, and as I said yesterday, the fact that it came, the original, the original people who said it then told her son, who told her daughter, whichever, who told her Right. I, I and and with Becky being part of it, I doubt that you that they could have gotten it through Torrance. Right. Bob Ball was highly respected detective. Yeah, he was. So, um, and I have a lot of respect for Bob, and I understood why it went the way it did. Right. Um, so. All right, so I'm disappointed that the police didn't look into this tip further and investigate the location, but I understand why they didn't. It probably wasn't enough information to get a search warrant, and Rebecca was known by the police. She was known to be psychic, and they probably thought maybe this was more of a vision and not something that actually happened and Rebecca had been wrong in the past because you can't always be right so I get it and here I am now 17 years later after the tip 
And I'm reaching out to a psychic for help to find Rose. All right. So basically, I'll just tell you a little bit about what I'm doing. Okay. So um, my name is Jill Rebeck, and I know Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I am working on a cold case disappearance of a woman. Okay. And I'm doing it for a podcast that I have. And it basically started out as research for um, a novel that I'm writing. Okay. Um, it's in the very beginning stages. Yeah. But um, I really enjoy doing the podcast and investigating it. So it's become kind of my main Second, thing right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, it's fun how um, that motivation can shift. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> so I, you know, I met with a uh, Ruth, the psychic, yes. before. And... Um, I don't think she and I like, clicked. I have yes. Jessica probably so I met with you on it. Um, a woman named Natalie Fowler, and she is a published author, and she does um, reading, psychic readings and stuff on the side. It's something she's very quiet about. She doesn't really want to be known for that. She wants to be recognized for her writing. And I had the pleasure of meeting with her here in Minnesota. I received her name from a mom that I know, Jessica Freeberg, who is also a published author. And she works closely and is good friends with Natalie and gave me her name. And I decided to sit down with her and discuss Rose Peterson's case and see to see if she could pick up on anything for me Um, I was always you always hear about how scary it is to have a haunted house or to be in a house that's haunted and how scary that is for the real person and I always thought it would be equally scary to be the ghost so I've approached my writing and my work from that perspective in trying to have some sympathy for that side of things and to bring a voice to that character as well so my fiction work in my ghost stories that I write, the ghosts always get the first-person perspective so that that can bring an understanding to the reader as well. Mm-hmm. So I've really been drawn by that. In recent years, I joke, you know, I've been doing so much work with the paranormal and research and writing to make my characters authentic. I sort of joke that I accidentally homeschooled myself into being <laughs> so myself. Right. However, yes. um, I do know that I've had some gifts from an early age and they just kind of went away for a while. And then when it was safe for them to open up again, that's right. what started to happen. So I've been doing a lot of my own development work in the last few years, taking some classes. I've got some really good mentors. Uh, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with this side of things and yeah. these gifts. <laughs> so as you say, my own book that I'm working on right now yeah. is actually a nonfiction retelling of everything that's happened to me in the last year or so. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> because I've started, um, I crossed over my first spirit uh, about two years ago. It was a girl that I knew from high school that suddenly showed up for me in the middle of the night. And I knew she had just passed. I didn't know the circumstances. But I'm learning that my gift works in a really interesting way. I get it. I don't I don't see things the way some people do. I can see using my mind's eye. I don't hear things the way some people hear. Um, but I tend to get a complete download of information about okay. some of the ghosts that I've worked with and stories that... And I seem to get the information that I need to know in order to help them move on to wherever they're supposed to be. So um, I'm 
using those gifts and skills to help clear some houses and um, yes. also help some disgruntled yes. spirits find where they're supposed to be. Nice. I think um, I think some of them can get stuck for reasons, uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, so that's what I'm using my gifts for yes. these days. Very <laughs> as neat. Well. Yes. And then what? Yes. Um, what? stories do you have that are fiction that you do you have published and um just so like the listeners can the listeners, hear them. yes yeah well we put together a fiction collection of short stories jessica and i were the editors on that project it's we're part of a group called ghost stories inc and we teach writing classes and workshops um and then take everyone on a ghost hunt at the end of the night. We're doing an event up at the Palmer House in April. We do events there periodically through the year. And it's just a really fun time. It's a way for people to come and learn about what inspires us. We do some writing classes and some art classes on, and talk about how to be inspired by the history of a place and the yeah. creepy right. vibes you get from the, the space that you're in. And, and we call it sort of method writing where you put yourself right. in the same position as your characters. Very neat. So, <laughs> She's so, cute. <laughs> so uh, we do that. Our, we put together an anthology of short stories inspired by some of these adventures and yeah. it's called Night Visions and you can okay. get that um, at Amazon. And, and we also wrote a book that a publisher was looking for a book about true monster stories from the Midwest. Cool. So we put that together. That came out last year. Um, meanwhile, my agent is working on, uh, she has three of my fiction novels. And so my literary agent is working on trying to find a home for those. So Very hopefully cool. something more will be coming soon from that as well. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely put links for yes, listeners. Yeah, just my so web page is yeah. where you can find all of this. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So... I'm totally new to this, too. Like I said, I've only seen one psychic, and that was Ruth. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I don't even know how you normally, if you, you know, what you what you want yes. from me. What what I, well, I, so I know you through Jessica, or that's how we met. Um, Jessica intentionally did not tell me anything about the case, because okay. I think she knew that my brain would start spinning that direction. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so I think what I want to do is just start out with the a first um, a couple impressions that I've gotten without knowing anything about it. Um, I haven't really tuned into it at all or anything. Um, but I did get a couple of early hits, and I'll just say that they keep telling me that it's very similar to the Katie Poirier case. Okay. And I don't know if you're familiar um, with that, I, but that was the girl yes. that was um, taken out of a gas station and yes. with an older man and he's on video and they've got film footage of this and that's really what helped them solve that case was oh, that okay. he, he kind of snatched her out of there and took her to his secluded property. Okay. And um, that, yes. Okay. Very sad. Yes, but it is very sad. It seems, so there's, they're telling me there's some similarity in that. I don't know if it's the, if it's the victim. Um, she was, Katie was, I believe, about 18 or 19 years old. Okay. And blonde hair. Okay. Really beautiful girl next door yeah. kind of girl. Okay. Um, what was the other thing? So, and I'm not, I'm not 
recalling what the other thing was. There was some other, yeah, <laughs> something right. else. That they, but anyway, do you remember where so. she was found or like? Well, they? they were only able to find. I think her body was burned. Oh, okay. they were only able to find some teeth, and that was what led them to be able to make the DNA identification that it was her. Okay, gotcha. So okay. Um, would you, do you want her name? Yes, that, anything, so I always do better with a prompt. Yes. <laughs> so as a way to kind of zero yeah. in. So maybe we could just start going through some of the stuff and then yeah. I'll just talk about what comes to mind. Sure, That seems Perfect. to be the best yeah. way it works for me. <laughs> um, okay, so I have her file here. Okay. And um, her name is Rose Peterson. Okay. And she... Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Did she have dark hair? She had brown hair. Okay. Yep. And she was 41. Okay. When she went missing. Okay. She had a 14 year old son. Okay. Um, and her birth date is January 11th, 1948. Okay. And I have a picture of her if it helps. These aren't very good pictures. Was the like, son investigated? He wasn't. Um, okay. Because there was no right. suspicion of him and okay. he was 14. And, right. Um, he, the police didn't even really talk to okay. him. But was he living there with her or no? He was, um, she was living, the week she disappeared, she was at a, she had, um, Issues with alcohol. So she okay. was at a halfway house that she walked away from, and then her sister brought her to an adult foster care home. Okay. And she went to lunch with at an employee's house close okay. by to where the adult foster care home was, and she walked away from there and hasn't been seen since. Okay. And she... Um, you want me to get yeah it. no keep going she, she had um uh, intellectual disability okay and so she her whole life she lived with her mother and even when she had a son and even when she okay. was married she lived with her mother okay and her husband was a merchant marine and okay. he was gone most of the year okay and her mother had a stroke and she had to live on her own with her son, and she couldn't cope. She had depression, suicidal thoughts. She was intellectually challenged. Okay, um, so her mother had... Had a stroke. Had a stroke, okay. Okay. I get a sense of just a lot of confusion. Like, almost she was, she, almost like she was pulled away from something thinking she knew, knew what was happening and then it was just an overwhelming confusion. Did they ever find? They never found anything. anything any trace? No. No, none of her articles of clothes um they did a little bit of a search um along she the last time she was seen 
was Friday, or well, we think Friday, July 28, 1989, walking along US 41 in Michigan. Okay. She disappeared in the Upper Peninsula from uh, Calumet, Michigan. And so people saw her. She didn't drive because of her, you know, right. disability. And maybe that's the similarity. It's just the remote yeah. location. Completely right. remote. Right. Where Very if remote. someone came across you, there would be no one to know that you were even there. There's dense woods everywhere. Right. So we don't know if somebody picked her up and it was foul play. Um, she was very scared. So her family cannot imagine her walking in the woods and dying. Right. Because she was so She was afraid of getting lost and that sort of yeah. thing. I, the initial hit that I'm getting is that she went with someone willingly this person intended to harm her, but not necessarily kill her. That's that it was more of a second degree murder, perhaps okay. like somebody she knew. Some I don't know if it was somebody she knew even, but it was someone she certainly trusted in the moment because it was better right. than the alternative of getting right. lost in the woods. Right. Like it was someone who came upon her and was nice to her, and it was kind of a crime of convenience. Right. Um, like the Jacob Wetterling right. case where you're on this the remote highway and you come across your victim right? and no one's going to see or know anything so it feels pretty safe. Right. But then it was almost, so there was that part thought through, but then it was almost, now what happens after that? Right. <laughs> what do you do with this person? Right. That you've harmed or hurt. Right. What happens next? And so I think that that's, that's where the murder piece came in. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily someone that intended to take her and kill her, but after their crime was committed, they didn't know what to do next, and right. that was the do easiest. Do you think it was like a, like, do you sense like a sexual crime? Yes. Okay. I was trying not to say that. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> but yes. Okay. And can you feel it, was, it all like where? It was almost like this person was just that's like this person came across this and it was such an attitude of, oh, this is a sign that this is here for me. I'm going to do what I want with her. You know, it was almost right. like that's. That very, like, egotistical vibe that it was almost like he thought that was exactly what was supposed to happen. And that was her purpose for being there. Was right. that this, this was his for the taking. Right. Kind of. Okay. Um, Do you... <laughs> it doesn't feel, for me, uh, so... And maybe the part of this that, it feels like this might have been the first time for him. Like, this was just, 
I don't know if it was someone who had ever done this before or a serial person yet, but this could have been the first. That's where the, the murder piece was kind of unintentional. He had never thought through what was going to happen next after that. Okay. So this... Right. And so then this may have, like, set him down a path right. towards that, but I feel like this might have been his first... Okay. His first time, and I think... This was very easy for him, and it felt like after this he could be more selective with who he was going to go after. Like, this was a person who was easy. She was vulnerable adult. Yeah, she was. So after this, he got super picky and decided, okay, I, I can be, I can be more selective now, and now I've. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was like getting his feet wet so to speak, with what. And that's what I worried could have happened to her because there was a serial killer in the area who killed a woman in um, 91 and 92. Okay, so after. After. Huh. And I always wondered maybe if if there was a connection. It feels like this, that, like when I tune into the energy of, what happened on the side of that road, it feels like it was a complete crime of opportunity for him and that it was a practice run for for what was what would come next. Like it was right. his way to see what he needed to worry about if he was gonna do this again with someone he was more selective about picking. Right. That would make sense. Do you pick up at all on the guy? Like I suppose I don't know what you. What I just. I. It's on. hard to distinguish if it's my, my collective. <laughs> you know the your typical sexual predator. Yes. You know it's and some of those that you, you, the stories that you've read over the years. Right. It's hard to discern right. what's a combination of everything I've read put together. Right. You know, like yes. the. And they're not that far off. Yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> because, I, you know, the the predator in the Katie Poirier case was an older man with a gray beard. And the, the predator in the Wetterling case, he was younger. Um, I'm just going to tune in a little bit. Yeah. I feel like he's a good-looking guy. He's somewhere in between that. He's not definitely not an old, craggly guy like... The Katie Poirier case. Right. It was someone with a lot of arrogance. Um, he was certainly had a nice enough appearance and a calming way about him in order for her to willingly get in the car to go with him. Right. So she was sort of, she, the energy I feel from her is that she was grateful to get a ride and not be stuck along the woods anymore. And she, didn't even hesitate about going with this guy because he was he presented himself so professionally, right. so put together, right. and his arrogance was very calming for mm-hmm. her. Like he's just gonna take control and take care of her. Right. Um. So I guess that's discerning through. Yeah. <laughs> that, but. Right. Yeah, I would say mid. I would say early 50s, mid-50s maybe. Okay. 
someone who's not too old but not too young. Okay. If that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> little dog. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> a little baby. Um, my goal for the family is to find her remains. Because yeah. um, her son, you know, he's never been able to to have that closure. Right. And I think people with missing loved ones, um, they're stuck. Yes. You know, and they can't move on. And um, he had a hard, hard upbringing. I'm, I can only imagine. Yeah. He, just... You know, when he was 12, he found his mom um, in the bathroom. She had taken pills to try to commit suicide. Yeah. And he ran and got her help. And then this happens when he's 14. And yeah. she was in, he was shuffled in and out of family. Right. So at the time, he wasn't living with her Mm-mm. or anything like that. Okay. And he... Um, he just wanted her to get better. Yeah. And live with her. Yeah. And um, that didn't happen, of course. Do you have any pictures of her when she was young? Yes. Cause... I think... Yes, I do. I've got this image of her, just a really beautiful girl. Yeah. Um, and it'd be fun to see if that matched up at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a grainy, I'm getting it's a, grainy, but yeah, yeah. That was her dark in curly hair. Tenth grade. Yeah. And then. Um, I can let you look through these if you'd like. So I'm getting a sense that it very it was a remote property. Did this guy that was in the area have access to um, any cabins or any remote hunting properties or anything like that in the area? Or it's almost like he knew of an abandoned property okay somewhere that that was just completely that's her and her mom and her sister okay I don't know um I know he didn't live out in the country okay um so I was trying to um because that would be interesting to see if there's any connection to either a property that he it's something he knew of. Like, he knew where he was going. He knew that okay. there was this place where he could do this. Okay. Um, and I... Um, whether it was somebody he knew that had taken him there at some point. That's what I wondered. If or he, he just knew... Like, even if where he had visited or where he knew... About that, he just knew there was this abandoned place on the way that would serve his purpose. Um, but that's what I I feel like there's some. You know, he had he had enough of a plan that he had a property in mind. He knew where he was gonna go. Okay. So and this was his chance to test it out. Okay. So. I um, don't know that he ever went back there again with any of the other victims. I feel like he figured something out better by then. 
but this was just a really easy, an easy mark. He knew of a place in mind, which was one of the reasons he pulled over in the first place. Like he had an idea of where he could go right. to take care of this. Whether it was a campground, what time of year did she go missing? July. Okay, so it would be height of the tourist season. So that tells me, like, it feels like it's an off season for whatever this purpose was. So then maybe a hunting property. Okay. Like if it were the opposite, if it were in the fall or winter months, then I would look more for a summer place. But it feels like it's completely opposite of whatever the season was. Okay. So there would be no need for anyone to be up there. Okay. In that place. So like hunting areas, um, hunting shacks. Okay. You know, I places did, like that that he just knew about. Yeah. I'm working with an investigator um, who is a retired Michigan State Police officer uh-huh. in the UP, and he got a tip from an informant. Okay. And he told me that tip, and it ended up actually being in the police report. Okay. Um, so it's in the report here. Um, I just, at the time, I didn't have the police report. I was waiting for it. Okay. And do you want me to tell you what the tip is? Yeah. I will probably have to edit this part out because I haven't released it yet. Okay, or do you want me to read it? Um, Pause it for yeah. a minute and we could read yeah, it. Yeah, I can actually find it real quick because I'm kind of focusing on it. Um, okay, so this is the date of the okay. tip and you can read right here on the top. Okay. And so I don't know if, so I can't find yet the kids or young adults that supposedly found. I, right. I, I told my listeners about human remains being found. Yes. I didn't say where the location is. I have the actual coordinates. Okay. Of the location. Okay. Um, so I know exactly where. Okay. They were found. It'd be um, interesting to see what the other what what else was in the area, or to look that up on a map and see what. I it, can show you. Um, they're so cute puppies. Um, let's see here. I have. Okay, so I'm going to show you. So the last area she was seen was on US 41 by the airport road. So where the ping is, and you can zoom into the ping, that is where the, it's it's right off of close, I can can do another picture to show you. And it's, um. I'll show you a closer up picture of it. But you can see how close the ping is to US 41 and the airport road when you, um, yeah. And she, you know, she was known to walk on that US 41. Okay. Um, and this ping is where? Where the remains were found. Ooh. Yeah. And I can show you a better picture of the actual ping. Um, 
So the cadaver dog woman, Sally, mm-hmm. went there and asked the owner of the property if her dog could look s- and then she was denied permission. She was denied permission. Yeah. And I don't know if this is just kids blowing smoke and it's a false story or if there's some like truth to this. Right. So um, my, you know, my job right now is to find somebody who had actually witnessed seeing the remains. Okay. So this is a woman who owns the property now. Has she owned it for a long time? It's a man. Okay, it's a man. And yes. And he has he has a little bit of a um criminal history. Not much. Okay. Like, okay. Um, it, it, Something where he would prior. maybe just not want to be involved with anything. Right. Like I think at the time cuz his his criminal history was probably around that time. Okay. I'm guessing he just didn't want to. And supposedly the kids or the young adults who who found the remains were druggies. Okay. And they didn't want anything to do with the police. Okay. As well. And um her the cadaver woman's informant was um she she heard from these these kids that they found this. Yeah. But she also, um, she had psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. And she would always get a strong feeling along US-41 close yeah. to this location. Okay. Well, it would be interesting, you know, my own lawyer brain. Yeah. <laughs> I was a lawyer before all of this. Oh, yeah. Um, would be it'd be interesting to know who who owned the property then be interesting to know on the whereabouts of this person at the time of the crime i'm i'm sure he just doesn't want his name attached in any way however the owner of the property it would be interesting to know if he was perhaps in jail or something else at the time this happened right um leaving his property vacant that somebody might have known about. Yeah. Well, that's so, why I wondered if this one man knew him by any... Right. You know, so I was going to... Right. So... And he he lived there at the time, and I do have his current address and phone number. I was going to reach out to him, but I didn't... I, I haven't yeah, done Yeah, be careful with that. that. <laughs> you yes. need to go in with the right approach. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, but it would be interesting, for example... To do, uh, have you, I'm assuming you've done some research on his name mm-hmm. and his record and mm-hmm. see what he's come up with and maybe, um, and then look to see if there's any ties with the suspect. Um, But if you've already known, if you already know that he owns the house and was owner the owner at the time, then you know that. Um, and there's multiple. He's the one that pays the taxes okay. for the property. Okay. But there's multiple people. It's like their last name is the street. Okay. <laughs> They've so, been around for a while. Yeah, it's kind of that. Thing yeah. Where they kind of run that area basically. Okay. And you know. 
so the you know I talked to the t- t- detective who is actively on her case. Yeah. Um, and he said if I can find somebody who actually saw the remains, then that, they don't need that his would give permission. them a probably you know a, a, right just a more likely to get the right. chance to search it. It would be more for a warrant. Yeah. Um. But I'm having trouble locating anybody. Everybody's very tight-lipped about it. Yeah. And. As people usually are in these neighborhoods and these yes. towns and not wanting yeah, to rock the boat. Right. Um, so I didn't know with me if you, if you thought about it, if you could sense if that, because, you know, I've tried thinking, like, is this, is this Well, it feels like here? the kids don't have, the, the people involved don't want to ever admit that they were there. Mm-hmm. messing around with any of it because they don't want to be attached, especially because what they were doing at the time was, you know, if they were doing drugs or if they were, if that were, they don't want to get in trouble for any of that. Um, but it would still be interesting. Have you done some research for... The, just to read some of the stuff that was reported in the papers during that time frame. Yep. Okay. Yep, I did, and they all they all they there there weren't many. I mean, she was you know she was a special needs woman who had suicidal thoughts, so they didn't really right. They didn't care. worry too much. No, and so they just basically said she had walked away, suicidal thoughts. Right. She was depressed. She was a long U.S. forty one. I'm feeling a pull to do some research about this time frame okay to see what was happening at this property okay at that time maybe if you know just to find out what was going on in the town in that area at the time the tip came in okay to see if if that gives you any names yeah right you know even if it's just looking through who was arrested for right possession yeah at that time that's true. Or anything, or just trying to uncover, I mean, gosh, that's already going on 17 years ago now. But just try to uncover maybe what what was going on. So the, the tip is really cool because it's pretty detailed. Yeah. Okay, so and they, they didn't once follow cleaned. up on it. So, so that could have been anywhere between the time the tip came in and the time that this happened. Well, and now you also have to think about the, the decomposition rates and at what point would it be a skull? Right. Yeah. And they they the reason the police the the detective at the time was Robert Ball, and he he knew of uh, the woman named Rebecca Koivu. She was the psychic. She was the one that. Okay. She, okay. So the psychic is the one person that sent the, the tip. Yeah. Okay. The psychic told the cadaver woman. Okay. And the cadaver woman asked the police if she right. could search she could the search. area. Right. And but the police didn't care for Rebecca Koivu Got because it. they knew she had psychic abilities and she right. Wasn't always and they were right. poo-pooing and that. Yes. And so they they brushed it off as right. That's not a credible person. Right. But she, but this, this Sally woman didn't know Rebecca Koivu super well, but she said she would tell her things about her own family and her own daughter. Right. And she Enough. was right on. Yeah. So she really believed her 
senses and intuitions. Sure. But she's deceased, so I can't interview her. Sally is or Rebecca is? Rebecca. Of course she is. Everybody's deceased (laughs) in this case. Because it's a 28-year... I mean, everybody. Yeah. Um... So, the the weird connection is Rebecca Koivu, the psychic. She at one point was Rose Peterson, the missing person's sister in law. Okay. Because she was married to her brother. Okay. So, it it was kind of a weird how that happened when I was talking to Sally. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I, I know these people. Like they're connected <laughs> yes. somehow. And I was like shocked because I was like. This is the first I've heard. And I asked, yeah. I called her daughter about it. And I asked her daughter, do you remember your mom talking about, and I told her the tip yeah. of the remains being found. And she kind of brushed me off like, no, I think it was just a dream. And she had dreams. Yeah. And then I contacted her son because supposedly it was one of the kid's friends who were in the oh, location. Okay. Got it. And that's how... Rebecca found out about it, but he is not, he's not fast to respond and okay. it's very, okay. he's, he's, he's not really cooperating as well as sure. I thought he would. So that makes me think maybe he knows more than he does. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's in the, um, law enforcement field now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think he wants to be involved. Sure. Especially if he was there right. when their remains were found. Absolutely. Here's what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you. Yeah. Um, maybe take down some of this information. Yeah. And then sit with it. Yeah. Quietly, because yeah. that's usually when stuff comes totally a lot more clear and clean. Yes. <laughs> um, for me, so we can. I'd like to get some of the names of. Especially yeah. that that family. Yes. Um, and see, and also my research can tend to be very intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. lead me a certain way. Right. So maybe diggle around a little bit myself because yeah. I've done some of this as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With some of the other cases I've worked on. So. Right. And just see if if maybe if I can, can pull something fresh that right. that you don't. Yeah, know. I mean anything that you could pick up. Or anything, like, I, I mean, I even talked to Rose, you know, I'm like, Rose, just, like, be open to her, like, like give her something, yeah. like, help us find you, and, yeah. you know, of course. Rose, I just get, when I tune into that energy, though, mm-hmm. it's a complete confusion. Like, she doesn't even know how to help anybody find her. Like, really? I just okay. get a really, I just think she was really confused. She yeah. was terrified to be on that road. Yeah. And then really grateful that someone was coming and then completely confused when this person that she trusted right. turned around and hurt her. Right. And she has no, it's just really, she, even in her death, she doesn't really have a lot of clarity about what happened right. and where and why, which is, make... I think, why it's been so hard. It's why nobody's cracked this case right. yet. She hasn't been able to help anybody. Right, yeah. I know. I keep looking for signs. And right. Like, you know, like, help me yeah, find Yeah, I just you, get but... a huge wave of confusion from okay. her. I wanted to play my interview with Natalie in its entirety because it was really interesting. And I'm not sure if it's because it's Halloween 
and you know the wind is howling and it's a bit of an eerie day but through our interview and our conversation you can hear things being picked up on my recorder and I don't know if I'm just looking into it more because it is Halloween but I don't know it's something to think about if you didn't notice it, go back and listen to our conversation again, and you can pick up little statics on the recorder, and um, you hear a little bit of her cute dog in the background. Um, her dog is a rescue dog, and she was really scared of me, but she was really sweet. But you can hear little little shifts, little statics in the recorder, and you can also hear somewhat of a breeze by the recorder which is odd because it was just sitting on the table where we were talking so just check it out thank you everyone for listening to episode nine the halloween episode if you liked what you heard please go to itunes and subscribe and leave a five-star review that is the way they push you up on iTunes. You get on the list and other people get to hear your podcast. I would really, really appreciate that. I wanted to thank um, Sally for letting me interview her. Anne for letting me interview her as well. And a really special thank you to um, Natalie Fowler, author and low-key um, psychic. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for letting me go to your home and for you to give me a reading on uh, Rose Peterson's disappearance. And I hope to meet with you again and maybe you'll find out some more information for me. Also, I want to thank Jessica Freeberg, um, also published author. She is friends with Natalie and works with her. And she gave me Natalie's name, and I really, really appreciate it. These women do really cool work, you guys. They go ghost hunting. They have awesome books out. And today, Halloween, perfect day to go and check out their spooky stuff. So I just want to thank everyone. You can find Natalie at nataliefowler.com. It's F-O-W-L-E-R. And check out her website. She'll have all of her information on there, bio, her books, um, what she does with ghost hunting. Also, check out Jessica's um, page at jessicafreeberg.wordpress.com. And you can read her, um, her information as well, find her books. I also will do two links to um, their web pages so you can check out their stuff. I'll have that on my Facebook page. Also, um, I just wanted to remind everybody, if you know anything about the disappearance of Rose Peterson, please contact the Michigan State Police at 906-337-5145. Thank you guys. Have a happy and safe Halloween and enjoy your night. Thank you.